Welcome to another episode of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Well, welcome to the Week Pastors Podcast. We are so grateful that you have joined us for yet another episode of We're our in podcast. double digits now. Double, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're in double digits, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool. If we had so, any money, we would be doing a giveaway. Exactly. <laughs> or, or a promotion. We have no money, so we can't do no promo or nothing like that. And so, yeah, we got we to start doing it more We're often. relying on the grace of um, our listeners exactly. to promote us. Word of mouth is the best way. So please, if you, if you like this podcast, you're getting you're getting some stuff out of it. It, it would really be a huge help to us if you would promote us <laughs> on your social media and all that stuff. I think that would be really great. So yeah, you know, uh, Sue and I just looked at some data uh, before we we jumped on this episode, and we're we are, I think our largest following of people listening to us. I, I don't know if this is true. It's in Southern California. <laughs> Which is crazy. Which is crazy. I don't know anybody. Do I know anyone in Southern California? I mean, I went to seminary there, and I, I did have a community of folks, but I think there are people in Southern California, particularly in Orange County, uh, that is listening to us, and it's just incredibly humbling. So if you are listening and you are from SoCal, thank, thank you so you. very much. We are so <laughs> grateful and envious of that amazing weather you yes. get every single well, especially day. Especially me, because, you know, yeah, that's out right, here, that's it's right. terrible out here. Oh, yeah, because Sua lives in a farm. So, Not yeah. that. It's the Columbus weather. It's gross. Yeah, it's it's, it's, um, it's, it's like the Pacific Northwest kind of cloudiness, but also mm. none of the mountains. It's just gross. Yeah, Midwest. I don't know why I live here. I say this every time, but... Um, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Well, actually, I don't get it, but I'm glad I don't live out there. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but we don't envy SoCal. We don't envy your traffic. That's for sure. We definitely don't envy your traffic. Yeah, but we have we no traffic in Columbus. We're so grateful that we are uh, our largest audience. According to this data that we got, is uh, is in Southern California. And so, come on, New Jersey, let's go, Columbus. I know, seriously, well, you guys got to step up your game. I know. Come on, there's. I mean, I just listen. Do you know how they have that thing that says they said three types of lies is lies bad lies and statistics or something like that <laughs> and like how statistics are like completely just not accurate yeah I, yeah I, I mean listen if you if there if it's true and there are a bunch of you listening in socal that's amazing but i find it very sus that the numbers oh are you're using it well in california there's no way because most of my friends are in new jersey yeah, who would listen yeah. to this so yeah yeah and like, i passed through new jersey who knows so come on i mean who let's knows? go we it's were trending a little bit. We definitely had some people listening in New York, particularly Brooklyn. In Indonesia also. Oh, Indonesia. And, <laughs> and what about Guatemala? How do I say? Guatemala? We were what? Number one in Guatemala. 14. 14. 14. Well, in the, in the religion and spirituality sector, yes. maybe there's like 15 total podcasts. Man, we got to do but a still, live podcast in Guatemala. Yeah, we got to do a live. Yeah. Yeah, we really do. But Don't anyway, make promises you can't keep. I know, I know. That would be so great. If, uh, wouldn't it be awesome, Sue, if we could travel around the world and do podcasts and do live at different locations? Is Guatemala locations? number one on your list? It would be number one. <laughs> it would be number one on my list, yeah. But it would be really cool if we did something like that. And like we did it like like in your neighborhood where you grew up, Sue, in Guatemala. So that would yes. be pretty cool. Apparently, yeah. it does not look anything like it did when I, I grew up. Um, I bet it doesn't. It, yeah, it's new, Guatemala is interesting. It's divided. It's like... It's divided into zones. There's no yeah. city names. It's zones. So, well, the city, Guatemala City is divided into zones. And then there's names for the regions outside. But yeah, I grew up in Zona 10. And when people are like, what is, what is that? It's like, it literally means zone 10. 
Mm. Grew up in Zone Ten. Sounds like the Hunger Games or something. Yeah, seriously, District that's kind of scary. District Ten. District Seven. Okay. Hey. Uh. So uh, we're gonna start off with an opening question, and Sua has a question for us today. So what is the question? I feel like we should do this, and then we should ask people like. You don't know. I was going to say we should ask our listeners, who do you think? But、um, when you hear the question, you'll know why that's a very dangerous、um, thing to open up because I don't、Feel、know、free. if I'm ready for the answers. So no, my question、skin. was, my question,、yeah. <laughs> you have thick skin. My、yeah. question was, have you ever been told that you look like somebody famous? Yeah. Yeah. By yeah. by whom? Well, yeah, I just, I just、uh, people who listen to this podcast in the past, they know、uh, I have been mistaken for Yao, Yao Ming, Ming before,、yes. uh, by by the public, and I think that's because they just see me as this really tall guy, and I'm Asian, and you know the people who have mistaken me for Yao Ming are always non-Asians. So this has happened more than Mo- how many Mo- times would you? Say? I would say okay, I, it's not. A lot. I would say probably four or five times, and you、that's、know, happened- that's enough for it to. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, you know, I think I think a couple times it was just because I was. They think I'm this giant, but I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm tall, six four. But yeah, how tall seven, is Yao Ming? I was gonna say how tall. It's like feet, more than a foot tall. taller than you. Thirteen inches difference. It's huge. It's a huge difference. Yeah.、Uh, so yeah, but no Asian have, has ever said, "Man, you look like Yao Ming." No Asian <laughs> has ever said that. So. Any event,、um, oh my god! So,、uh, but I will say there is a celebrity that,、uh, and nobody knows this. If you're, if you are,、uh, if you are not Korean, you would not know this. But maybe but, they can Google it. Okay, you can Google it. Okay, so my wife has said this many of times, <laughs> and when she first said this, we were dating. I was、oh, so. It's an、offended. old celebrity. Yeah, it's an old. I was so offended by it because I didn't know who it was, and then she showed me a picture and a video. I'm like, "Are you kidding me? You are so awful!" Wait, like, am I gonna know who it me, is? You're telling me I look like this guy. I was so upset at her. I was like, "Damn, you think I'm that ugly?" Anyway, <laughs> so the person she said that I、it? look like. Okay, you ready for this? Yes. You might laugh, but you're gonna be like, "Oh, Sua, Sua, I just want you to know something. If you say, 'Oh, yeah, you do look like him,' you're gonna hurt me. Okay, okay? let me prepare myself.、So、here we go. Let me prepare, All right, prepare myself. myself. But don't lie.、Okay. Be real. I got、Ooh. thick skin. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Park Jin Young. <laughs> <laughs> JYP. JYP. Yeah. So this JYP. guy, <laughs> JYP, is like a, a an incredibly. He's got a record label, and he's、oh、put、God. a lot of artists、oh、out okay, there. Jenny, he's huge.、Jenny. He's famous.、That's、all that nice, stuff.、Jenny. And she said, "You look like Punchin Young," and I'm like, "JYP? Are you kidding me? Like the okay, guy is like a say, rat." JYP,、um, when he so. I don't know if he's still married. Is he still married or is he divorced now? But when he、know. was getting married years ago, he was married. I think it was like a big story because he was getting married to his first love,、um, and most of the newspaper headlines when he got married was Beauty and the Beast because everyone thought he was so hideous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, and my girlfriend, my wife at the time we were dating, she goes, "You look like JYP," and I'm like. I mean- Wow, talented—that's that so- not what she's saying, right? She's not saying no, you're talented no, 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 no. like she's him. She's not saying about the talent. You literally look like him. She's, she's saying. saying I look, and it's not just、yeah. her. Her sister、mm. also affirmed it. You look、yeah. like JYP, and I feel like it's like <laughs> both oh. And you know what, Sue? I actually think there was somebody、yeah. else, but I can't remember that says, "Hey, you look a little bit like Patchin Young," and I was、no. like, "Oh, Shanap." So anyway, she said that salt in the wound. But anyway. I'm older now. I'm okay. I'm okay. Jenny, I can handle it. But、nice. what do you think, Sua? What do you think, Sua? What do you think? Come on. What do you think? 
I don't understand. Come on, where, be honest, girl. Keep it 100. Maybe it's the vibe because, you know, okay, Park Jin-young, like he's pretty tall. He's like a pretty tall guy. It's, it's, it's none of that. I'm telling you, it's none of that. It's I wonder that, what. It, she like, literally like, says you look like him. I don't know. I mean, maybe, I don't know, because his vibe is also not your vibe. He's like this very artistic, like, dancer, performer, yeah, which yeah, is so yeah. not your vibe either. Although but I would love to be a from, dancer, performer. Yeah, if you've but, heard it but, from two people and then another person okay. later, there's got to be a reason. Okay. All right, so I'm gonna, let's, let's I'm gonna pull right, up so a picture I'm gonna, of him. I'm going to keep let pushing. Me, I'm going to keep let pushing. Let me pull up okay? a picture of him. Hold pull on. up a picture of him, all right? Let's not pretend he's just <laughs> a guy that lives next door to you, okay? <laughs> all right? And Jenny says, Sua doesn't... Hold on. Hold on, hold on. And okay, Jenny says, on. Sua doesn't JYP look... Your next door neighbor <laughs> look like Peter? That's, what, that's the question I want to ask you. Forget about the celebrity, who he is, what he does. Do you think I look like JYP? You know what? I'm looking at a picture of him. <laughs> oh, no. I kind of see it. Kill me now. Kill me now. All right, what do you I see? Mean, I'm going to put up too. <laughs> I'm, I, I, you know, I, I really hate to say it, but um, there is a bit of a resemblance. There really isn't. <laughs> because, okay, to be fair, I don't think JYP is an ugly person. Maybe it's because I find him kind of charming. Um. Like he's funny and he's so talented. He, you can tell he's like a genius, right? Yes, I he don't is. appreciate he that he inserts his name into every single song that yeah. he produces. Like well, he's like he's uh, like um, DJ Khaled. Oh yeah, DJ. or um, oh Jason Derulo. Cannot, Jason Derulo in like every single uh, song. But he does this too. He goes JYP. Like yeah, why? Exactly. Why do you have to do this? So he's, he's very insecure. <laughs> okay, that's another podcast. Episode. Okay, all right. So so you can see the resemblance, and you know what? Here's the thing. I kind of see it. I kind, I kind of see, see it too yeah, now. <laughs> Crap! She was right. Back then, oh I was so insecure. I, I just said I convinced myself there's no way you look like this guy. But now that I look at oh it, oh my gosh! Oh snap! I you can see what? the resemblance you could a little be, bit. The, you could do a lot worse than JYP. He's not that ugly. Oh, he's pretty bad. He's I pretty bad. think he's I got think his own appeal. You know, well. He does have his own appeal, but you know he 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 could have definitely benefited for some um, plastic surgery. But I, think. I think that's and his it's thing, amazing though. That he never did because no, he's that's in his Korea. thing is that he wants to be who he is. That's Not true. that I'm like some spokesperson for JYP, but if you, sorry, this is turning into like a K-pop management episode. I can't but if believe you look my at wife the people right. that he produces. That he doesn't. Maybe I could be wrong about this, but it seems like, for example, like P, you know, Rain. He yeah. was one of the um, first talents that he you know, scouted, he's not classically good looking in the sense how Koreans would view yeah. like, you know what rain yeah. looks like. Yeah. He does not, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't fit that mold either, but he was hugely popular. And I think that's kind of his thing is like, you don't have to fit this idea of what a Korean person should look like to be good looking to be successful. I I'm really sad now because, um, you see it now I'm looking at your face I, I, and now, all I now, see is JYP. Now, now I see the resemblance. And for so many years, I actually fought it. I disagree with it. And when I've disarmed me being so defensive and insecure about it, I look at, it, I'm like, she's got a point. I'm she's literally point. looking at your face through the zoom video and you look like him now to me. <laughs> don't, like don't I can't unsee what I've seen. Don't make I can't me unsee it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Jenny, right. I take it back. You have a point. Oh, you have a point. Snap. Yeah. Sua. 
Sua, I'm I don't sorry. know, man. I'm, I'm, uh, there's a part of me that I felt like a piece of me just died. I don't I know. Mean, I, 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 but I are there any other ones? That's it? Only, oh, that's, it. that's it. That's really the only uh, celebrity lookalike uh, that somebody has ever said you look like. So it's been, uh, it's been, yeah, I think that's been it. Yeah, but remember when I asked you a while ago if there were ever to be a movie of your life, who would you choose to play you as the yeah. main role of Peter on? <laughs> and without even missing a beat, you were like, oh, that's easy. Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Which I don't know if you revised your answer after the recent um, yes, debacle the at the Oscars, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean, I also kind of see that too. I know that sounds really strange, but I can totally see. <laughs> not, I don't know if you look like him, but there's that's a vibe. Yeah, it's a vibe. It's a yeah, vibe. That's a yeah, vibe. I, 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 if, well, you, I think you said if I could pick any Hollywood star to play me, like who would it yeah, be? And I was like, yeah. oh, Will Smith, of course. But, you, know, was, kind but of you were like looking at me like, duh, as yeah, if exactly. like that would be an obvious one for me, of given course. the fact that one's black and one's Asian. But sure, <laughs> that's the obvious choice. Come on, Blasian, Blasian. Sure, yeah, sure. yeah. All right, so that's me. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I'm, I am excited, but that excitement is is actually fake. Because inside, I'm dying right now. Stop I'm it. sad. You're I'm secure weeping. now. You don't care about this because kind of stuff. Because my wife was right. I can't believe she was right. Yeah, All but she those married years. you. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. I mean, clearly okay. she finds you attractive enough. <laughs> Maybe she has a thing I, for Park Jin Young and you don't know. <laughs> She finds me attractive enough. Enough. I yeah. just I just met the quota. That's right. Stop that's it. right. That's, now you're okay. putting words in her mouth. All right, all right. What about you? What about you? Who did you? Uh, who was your celebrity uh, well, like? Um, this is not the first one. Is this is not a celebrity? But my brother, for some reason, would always tell me that I look like a gorilla. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why? I'm not you sure. Um, I'm not sure. But when we went to the zoo, when he came to visit a few Thanksgivings <laughs> ago, he we went to the um, gorilla exhibit, and he kept saying like, "Oh, look, there's your family tree." So yeah, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe apparently I look like a gorilla, but that's an animal. That's not a celebrity. So that's right. That's right. Um, and, and your brother was doing that just to make fun of you. So I don't know. He really believes it. He says he really sees the resemblance. He also said it's because gorillas are like he said. Uh, he said I'm like the alpha gorilla. Like I'm like the man gorilla. You know the 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 alpha gorilla, the man of the. Tr what is what do you call a pack the of the silverback? Gorillas? The silverback. Yes. What do yeah, the, you call you know the silverback? apparently i have yeah. you know yeah i think he yeah, misread me yeah yeah i'm yeah. a very docile person i'm not like that at all so i just want everyone to know i'm not like that at all you know jenny sent me this thing recently on 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 instagram it was like a video of this monkey literally by a poolside like in cancun i don't know if it's really cancun and <laughs> sipping on a pina colada like literally right and like they would put this monkey in character and she sends me this instagram she goes when were you in cancun <laughs> That's what she says. Because I didn't know when did you go to Cancun, and originally I didn't really know what she was saying. And then it took me a while. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, she's insulting me. She's saying I look like this monkey. So she keeps she keeps you humble. She's keeping you humble. She's savage. She's she's kept a lot of my friends <laughs> humble. And I have some friends that are very big time kind of people. And uh, she's kept all of us. She's humble, not impressed. So. She's, she's not, not impressed. impressed. She's, she's never impressed. Yeah, she is not impressed. She's never impressed. Which is unless you're unless her. you're from BTS. That's the only thing that would have Wait, is she army? BTS. Oh my gosh, she's major army. Really? She's like the Navy SEAL of BTS army. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. She is. New things I found out about Samonim. So. What about oh, you? The, okay, so the other one, and this one, 
I find is a hard one to say because for many people who grew up, I want to say in like the 70s and 80s, it's like a sacred <laughs> um, one. But when I was in college, uh, one of my nicknames was Winnie Cooper. Um, at that point, you know, I didn't grow up watching The Wonder Years. Remember, I grew up in Guatemala, so there was no Wonder Years in Guatemala. But um, at first, I was like, Winnie Cooper, like from that old, like retro show. And they were like, yeah, Winnie. So my nickname was Winnie. And I was like, this is stupid. Like, I don't look like Winnie Cooper. No, you fast really forward, look like no, Winnie So fast Cooper. forward a few years, somebody else in grad school says to me, hey, did anyone ever tell you you look like Winnie Cooper? <laughs> so yeah, that was really number two. Yeah, you really look like two. Winnie Cooper. And then a few years after that, somebody posted on my Facebook. They were like, hey, I was just thinking about this. Did anyone ever tell you you look like Danica McKellar, which is the name of the actress who plays Winnie Cooper? So that's three separate times in my timeline where people who are categorically completely separate from each other have told me that I look like Winnie Cooper. So Yo, now Winnie I've come to realize maybe there is some resemblance. Winnie Cooper, um, she wasn't Dancing with the Stars. She was in Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, she's I just, also man, she's a Jack man. She's she's jacked. also a math PhD. She has a PhD in mathematics. Wow. Um, she's very smart, but that's not what they were saying, right? They were just saying I look like. Winnie no, you really look like Winnie Cooper, and 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 uh, you know, I, first of all, I didn't know who that was until which I is odd it. because that's your demographic right there. Yeah, but you know, I just I wasn't feeling Wonder Years because for me it was all about who's the boss back in those days and Growing Pains. I mean, Alyssa Milano, give me a break. That was all. That <laughs> so was so loyal. You're so loyal. Yeah, no, I, w I wouldn't give Winnie a chance. In fact, yeah, I, I didn't even know who she was. Uh, but I will say, when I look at her uh, kid pictures and stuff, I could see why because those big eyes. She's got those huge eyes. And so, uh, and you have really big eyes, I so I could see funny. that. I could see that. So it's you know, either the silver, silverback gorilla or Winnie no, no, Cooper. I could, I could definitely see Winnie Cooper now. I can see why people would say that, and uh, I can see the resemblance. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but you know, if please don't get mad at me, don't at me. I'm not saying I look like Winnie Cooper. These people <laughs> this, were this, saying this, I look like Sua, Winnie Cooper. This is a serious compliment. This no, is, it is a, a serious real... compliment. That's why yeah, I feel a little I bit mean, uncomfortable saying it. I mean, I'm JYP and you're Winnie Cooper. I mean, <laughs> very what the special heck? to a lot of people in their Holy hearts. Holy cow, you it are Winnie like Cooper. It's like their first love. No, no. I, I think there's like, whatever. I don't know. I don't well, know. I, it, yeah. Let's well, you, you know, you know, you know, um, you know that that uh, that actress, that Korean actress, I said that you look like, or yeah, it, I'm getting uh, death threats from that. Yeah. What, what's her name again? <laughs> no, I, we are not going back there. Okay. You know what it is? Is because when I watch the drama Full House with P, um, <laughs> her personality is like you too. Like I just, I was like, wait a minute, she kind of acts like you. She's, you know, you know, she yeah. could be funny and all that stuff. So anyway, yeah, I was like, ditzy. oh, that's that girl reminds ditzy. me of Sua. You know, like big eyes too. You know, yeah, it's fine. Their face. So anyway, I, knew, I, I feel felt like, like any that person who's like slightly ditzy and like a happy person <laughs> is like, oh yeah, that person reminds me of Sua. You all know, right. it's fine. Well, Winnie, we got to get started. This is, this is, uh, we got to start our episode here, Winnie. All right. So let's do this. All right. Wait, so did you just call me Winnie? I was like, I what? Did. I called you I Winnie. I didn't even I, react I, to I, it because it's like, yeah, people I might used just, to do that in college. Exactly. I might call you Winnie from now on instead of Sua because uh, uh, I didn't know. If you but do now that, I'm going to start calling you JYP. And oh, I think one of us has more to lose okay, in that situation okay. than the right, other. Yeah, that's right. All right. So, so Sua, 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 let's get started here. All right. So, uh, listen, uh, this is your. This was your idea for this episode, and I thought this was a, a really great idea. Was uh, to talk to give our testimony, 
and a testimony of how we came to faith in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because, you know, so many times I think we overlook uh, our testimony. We don't, we don't really often reflect much about how we came to know Jesus Christ and how we had that personal relation with him. So I just thought we can spend this podcast just kind of sharing our testimony. And uh, yeah, I thought, Asua, it'd be great if you could start because I think some people kind of know my testimony, but, you know, of course, I'll, I'll, I'll share it. But I think people need to hear your testimony. Actually, I don't testimony. think I know your... I think you've shared your testimony, okay. but it's kind of melted in with a lot of other yeah. highlight moments. Like, like, for example, I know exactly how you got called into ministry. Yep. Um, like, I know exactly how you were called to start, like, plant a yep. multi-ethnic church. But I actually don't know if I really can say how I... how you came to faith. So, I mean, yeah. that will be interesting for me to listen to as well. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I have a story and I want to share it. So definitely. Okay, my, I'll start because mine is, you know, and I don't want to say it's anticlimactic, but one of the things that when I was growing up, you know, this is one of those questions that has been, at least when I was growing up, it was like a big question. You go to youth group um, or you go to college ministry and then they always yeah. say, so what's your testimony? Like, how, how did you meet Jesus? And I hated it. when people would ask this question because I felt like my story was not very exciting uh, because I've heard my share of really exciting testimonies. You know, those people who were like, I was literally three months before death in my bed and I couldn't move any of my yeah, yeah, bones yeah. and God magically healed me. And then I saw a vision of an angel yeah. who said, I have great things for you. And then my body was on fire and then I was healed. And, <laughs> Now I love the Lord. Like, you know, these kinds of testimonies. That's the Hollywood conversion experience, yeah. It's the Hollywood, yeah. but it's also, I think, real. Like, I've heard people, <laughs> maybe not exactly that version, but parts of that, you know, where it was this very exciting, instantaneous, um, and they could trace it back to this exact moment where they didn't know Jesus, and then there was this miraculous yeah. intervention, and now suddenly my life was all about Jesus. And that was yeah. kind of, I feel like, the... Um, kind of the, the type or the formula that a lot of these testimonies were based off of. And mine right. just does not fit into that formula because I was born into a Christian family. Yeah. So yep. there is never a time in my life where I can say I didn't know about Jesus. I can say yeah. there was a time probably where Jesus wasn't Lord of my life, but I can't mm -hmm. ever tell you of a time when I was like, I didn't know about Jesus' existence or, you know, you grow up knowing Jesus died on the cross just as much as you know, growing up that your mom is your mom, you yeah. know, it's kind of like built into your life. And I kind of resented that in my teen years. And my brother and I would talk about like, wouldn't it be great if we were these atheists in like a desert somewhere and then God's booming voice just found us and then we could really know God was real. Yeah, you know? yeah, then we yeah. could have this exciting story to share where we'd be like, so yeah, I, I, I was always envious of people who had those kinds of stories. Mine is a little bit more, you know, um, I was born into a Christian family. My parents were Sunday church attenders, um, very diligent, very mm. involved in the church. I grew up serving in the church. I mean, my mom was so dedicated to church service that um, most of my childhood was basically spent at churches. Um, it was either churches or orphanages. <laughs> like that's literally mm. how mm. I grew up. Monday evening service, Wednesday evening service, Friday mm. evening service, Sunday service, then Sunday evening service. And then Saturdays, my mom would take me to the orphanage to go watch babies Um, and sore diapers. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Like this was kind of my life. Wow. Um, right. And I don't think I had the space to really consider my own faith because it was, you know, one of those things that were just given to me and I never questioned it. Um, yeah. I remember my mom telling me <clears throat> that 
she, you know, and this is one of those things I think like moms just carry in their hearts. I don't obviously remember this, but I remember we had a very close um, friend in our career. When we were living in Korea, <clears throat> we had in the neighborhood, there was a lady who used to go to church with us. She had stage four cancer, but she was very close to our family. You know, we would mm. go over her house all the time. I was three years old. And I remember she was very, very sick. And my mom tells me the story sometimes of, you know, children's faith. Um, she said, I woke up in the middle of the night um, to go to the bathroom. I was like three years old. I had to go pee. And my mom was really sad. She had been sitting up crying because this friend had just passed away. And she mm. said she brought me over to the bathroom and I went to the po potty and I was like half asleep, right? I was like half asleep. And my mom said, Sua, you know, this Ajima, like this lady, she passed away. And she was just telling me because she was so sad. And she said in my half sleep mode, I said to her, oh, great. She's with God now. And I remember she said she was so comforted by the words of a three-year-old saying this with zero like doubt, you know, it's just wow. like in my half asleep state. So this is kind of the environment that I grew up in. I'm yeah. not saying this to yeah. be like, I was so holy. Like it was more like that's the kind of environment that I grew yeah. up in, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, in high school, I think is really though, when it be started becoming my own faith, because I don't know if... I don't know if this episode is airing before or after my um, stories about my demonic time in seventh grade. <laughs> but depending on whether or not this is before or after, let's just well, say. Can you can you can you please do your uh, the youth pastor you actually really loved? Uh, how, how, did he, how did he talk to no, you? No, I'm not doing it again. I also remember. You know what? I remember. <laughs> sorry, if you guys are listening to this out of order, you have no idea what I'm talking about. There was this one youth pastor who had a really thick korean accent yeah could you please um, share that with us again no so there was another one so that last time i shared something that he used to say all the time about <laughs> jesus christ crucified on the cross but then but he also but, there's another but Sua, thing Sua, 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 that's that's not a korean accent that's an indian accent you're, giving, every you're accent using the indian do, accent every accent that accent. i do comes out as an indian accent i'm I mean, sorry i, I think I'm, I'm sorry yeah. it's racist god's giving you many gifts impersonations is not one of them <laughs> no, but he also i also remember the first day he came to preach he said his favorite song was Bridge Over Troubled Waters by Simon and Garfunkel. And okay. um, he started singing it. Um, <laughs> How did he sing it? How did he sing it? I'm not doing it now, okay? okay? I don't want to do it because just you're going to make fun hey, of me. Just, just pretend I'm JYP now. For, the, re for the record, he was not an Indian man. He was a Korean man, okay? I, know, I don't know why I keep making Indian. him into an Indian man. But okay. anyway. Okay, so anyway, there was that was, I think, the time when I was kind of like, I don't like church. I don't like everything it represents. This was yeah. like 7th and 8th grade. And yeah. then in not like I want to say end of eighth grade, we had this teacher um, who basically took over the youth group. And he was actually not a youth pastor. He was actually a neuroscientist for University of Maryland. Wow. Um, but then he was visiting New Jersey and I think he stayed for a little bit. Um, and he ended up basically taking over the youth group. And I think that's when I really started getting serious about, wait, what does this faith mean to me? You know, like mm -hmm. what is um, like apart from what it means to my parents and apart from what it means to do the you know chores and the daily qt that my mom was forcing me to do and doing all of these youth group activities like what does it really mean for jesus to be king of my life and i think that was that season when i really started um kind of looking into that yeah another weird thing about my story is that Oh man, maybe I shouldn't put this out there, but I don't think I was ever baptized. What? Okay, no. So here's my here's the thing. Pastor Kevin Swanson knows about this because he was always asking me about it. Um, 
when I was young, my parents went to a Baptist church. Yeah. And so in the Baptist tradition, I don't think you baptize babies. No, you don't. Um, you don't. Actually, so, it's, it's, it's incredibly frowned upon. Right. Yeah. So we were not baptized as babies. We were dedicated mm -hmm. as babies. Mm -hmm. And then when we were in high school, we went to um, a Presbyterian church. So I was like, so after that whole thing, I was like, I'm ready to get baptized. Right. Like, I think now I really believe that God is, you know, who God is and Jesus is my savior. And I really want to do this publicly. So right. it was very special for me. So I signed up for baptism. So it was me and then three other kids from the youth group. We got up there and I think that pastor just assumed that I must have already gotten baptized as a baby. So he just rededicated all of us. Like, so the other three girls were supposed to do that. You know, when you get baptized as a baby, you don't get rebaptized as a teen. You kind of right. get you like re rededicate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he just lumped me in with them and um, never so actually. So you've never been baptized. So you need to come, you need to come back so to So I don't think I've baptized. ever actually been baptized. So this is one of those weird things where I'm like, well, what's the big deal though? I mean, like I literally did everything else for the baptism process and he just never sprinkled water on me. He just forgot. But I'm like, is this really that important? Because I literally did everything else. You know what I'm saying? It just seems at that point silly wow. to go back and then do it over. Man. Do you know what I'm saying? No, you still need to get baptized. It's, it, Jesus encourages us to do that. Um, you know, but it's, it's, it's not for your spirituality. It's really a public declaration of but your But you're faith. saying it's that important for the sprinkle of, of water versus the non-sprinkle of water that yeah, is yeah, like an actual yeah, because, difference? Yes, because uh, one is a sacrament and one is not. Baptism is a sacrament. It's the only, it's, it's you know, in the Protestant faith uh, and in the Catholic faith as well, there, I mean, the Catholic faith, there's a lot more sacraments, but in the Protestant faith, there's only two sacraments. It's, it's, um, it's communion and it's baptism and that's it. Well, well anyway, very so, different from that. so that anyway, is my story. Okay. And Pastor Kevin okay. used to always be like, Sua, baptisms are coming up and maybe you get baptized. Oh, that's Kevin doing his thing, not telling you what to do, but he's saying you need to get baptized. But it was like, but for me, it was just kind of like, yeah, but like I literally did everything. And at this point, it's like I've been on staff for like years. And like that it's pastor, like I tell of, you, that pastor. Silly to go was, back. Was that and the like, pastor? Was that the pastor with the Indian accent that, that did that to you? No, this was the senior no. pastor. Oh, the, se oh, the senior okay. pastor did the baptisms. Man, um, I'm but because, you. And I understand where he's coming from because in the Presbyterian tradition, like you don't really baptize adults or teens, right? Because most yeah. of the people growing up in that tradition have already been baptized as babies. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah, okay. but I, I do remember distinctly making that decision to say, I want to be publicly baptized. Okay. So that was kind of that season when it became more my faith. Okay. Um, then when I went to college, it was like a whole other thing, right? Um, so actually in college, I re this is actually another thing that I feel like is important to bring up in this podcast. I realize I'm not following the regular formula of what a testimony should look like. Yeah. Um, but because there's literally no buildup and no climax and no resolution. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> but when but I went it's your testimony. No, yeah. so when I went to college, um, I redid it. Like I re- um, invited God into my life. And this is, I only bring this up because I don't think you have to keep doing it over and over again. Right. But I had also grown, grown up in a tradition where I was told that there's a way to do it. Mm. Like there's a formula mm. of how mm. you have to do it. And if you don't do it the right way, yeah, you're not going to be saved. Mm. And so I was always a little bit nervous that I had never done it the right way. There was always this like part of me that was like, did I not ever do this the right way? Like, have I not been saved because I didn't 
is did I not follow yeah. the formula correctly? And so when I went to college, I was like, I needed insurance, right? And I was going through, you know, I had just moved out of my house. It was the first time I was not constantly surrounded by my parents and, you know, other church family. It was just me in New York yeah. City. Um, and so, you know, I remember after like six months of really like figuring out, like, do I want to go to church? Like, this is my time, right? This is my time to figure out if I really want to do something else yeah. because my parents yeah. will never know. They won't yell at me. Um, after like a six month searching period, I decided, you know what? I really do believe that God is God and Jesus. All is right. So for those six months though, did you go to church or not? You just said, I'm not going to church for six months. Um, did you go out and party a little bit? You know so I did, both. <laughs> I did yeah. both. I did both. I was simultaneously, okay. I was simultaneously going to church and partying. Okay. Um, but I'm a very risk averse person. So okay. I don't. So when you say partying, what was that? Like you went out to the clubs? Yeah, or I you went, went clubbing. Out, you went out dorms or fraternities? No, we went clubbing because it's New okay. York City. There's no real fraternities or sororities. It's mm. in New York City. So we would go to clubs every weekend. We would go drink. Um, there were no drugs involved, but there was a lot of okay. alcohol. A lot so of you, alcohol. So, so you drank and you weren't 21 yet. So you were drinking. Yeah, um, I was also the one who never really fully got drunk because I, again, I'm very risk averse. So I was the one who, you know what? Okay, I'm just gonna say there was one time I went clubbing, um, and my <laughs> friends were very wealthy, so they would always get a table. And I don't know oh, if you know anything. And about you went the to those Korean culture. clubs, and they're very expensive. Sometimes I went to the table. Korean clubs, and they would order like five bottles of alcohol, and the bill would yeah. come to like a thousand dollars. Yep. And uh, we would have to split it, right? But I remember distinctly one time I was like not fully drunk I was like probably a little bit buzzed and then my one of my friend a nameless friend um was so drunk like just so drunk mm. and she had to go to the bathroom and I had to help her go to the bathroom because she was like stumbling all over the place mm -hmm. and the bathroom was covered in vomit she threw the entire up bathroom, no other oh. people had thrown up oh okay, and because okay. she was so drunk she just plopped down on the toilet seat and i that was the moment Whoa. when i was like i'm never drinking i'm not drinking ever again because i do not wow. want that person to be me because that's kind of what happens when you're drunk at a club yeah. like you gotta go yeah. you gotta go and i was yeah. like so disgusted by the vomit like i was like i'm not ever gonna get myself to a point where i can't squat on top of a toilet because i can't do this i'm so grossed out god can use any situation um, <laughs> to teach you stuff yeah there anyway, you go yeah so i did i did party i mean i you know i partied i partied okay. and simultaneously right. the next day went to church reeking of alcohol i distinctly right. remember one time i sh i went to um church and i was sitting with my mom because i'd come back to um church on sunday and i was sitting in the pews at chode reeking mm. of alcohol wait what did your mom say she didn't Nothing. smell it. She didn't. Of course she, she did. I had come home drunk the night before. So she she didn't like pull you aside. Like, what are you doing? Like, how are you doing this? This is wrong. No, Simple. she kind of just no? let me ride it out. Okay, all right. Yeah, she kind of oh, just interesting. Let me ride she it gave out. you your space. I really appreciate that space. kind of parenting. I like I that. And okay. you know what? I think that was the healthiest thing to do because if it didn't yep. take long, it was literally like six months, yeah. which is a blip in your college. Yep. Absolutely, life. absolutely. Um, and then, yeah. So, and then literally ever since then, it's just been kind of, I go to church. And once again, this is why I say, I really wish I had some kind of more exciting story to tell, you know, because it's so anticlimactic. And that's kind of why I said, I think we should do this episode because I hate, it's actually my worst nightmare when people used to say, tell me your testimony. I'm like, yeah. should I just create some kind of like fabricate a story that's exciting? Because it's doable. You know, yeah. I just make up something. But I think a lot of us have had... If I speak to a, 
I've spoken to enough people to know that a lot of people have not very exciting, yeah. quote unquote, conversion stories. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people actually, I, I know, question whether or not they did it the right way. Mm. Um, they live with that kind of question in their heads, like maybe I'm not really saved because I didn't do it the mm-hmm. right way because we've been told that there's a right way to do faith. And I kind of want to say, I 100% know my faith is real and I 100% know that uh, Jesus is in my heart and that he yep. is Lord of my life. And there was no burning bush or booming voice from heaven or, you know, like immaculate pregnancy <laughs> or like whatever else. <laughs> like, you know, I, my kids were not immaculate consumptions. I can tell you that right now. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to put it out there that your story doesn't necessarily have to be yeah. this very exciting Hollywood um, action thriller. You know, it could be a very quiet, you know, kind of boring, um, steady story and still be valid. Now, Pastor Peter's going to be like, that is not valid. You need the burning voice no, no, or the burning actually, bush. I, I, think, I think that's the most valid story. Actually, if that's your story, you should be incredibly thankful. Why? Like incredi- because you grew up in a Christian home. You grew up in a place where you've learned about your faith from a young age. You grew up in a good home where you didn't experience any dysfunction to the point where you need to go out and say, you know what, I need a party. I, I need, you know, like for you, I, I need to believe that I'm attractive. So I just have to go and party with a guy, maybe sleep with him in college. Like I just have to experience this, 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 and that. Because most people who have those kinds of crazy stories, there are people who have rebelled so much because they're looking for something deeper and more meaningful in life. But the great thing about you and other people who feel like they have this quote unquote boring story or testimony is that you grew up really believing and knowing that Jesus Christ is real and you've engaged with that your whole life. That isn't boring. That's incredible, in my opinion. Yeah, but it so, wouldn't make I mean, any yeah. Hollywood movies. You know no, what I'm saying? No, it certainly wouldn't. Of course not. But that's not what, you know, God doesn't want us to go through those Hollywood types of things. But in spite of going, people can go through that and God can work. But I think your route is the route that, uh, that I think any Christian would prefer you know, to go that route I rather than the, the route, route the other way. Any Christian would prefer for their children, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. know if necessarily it's the one that every Christian would want in general, because like I yeah. said, I still, there's a, still a part of me that wishes I had this exciting um, story to tell because it's just so cool. You know, when people tell you these stories, it's just so cool, you know? And um, <laughs> I know you're laughing at me, but it's that's how I feel. And yeah, um, yeah, I will sure. say this though, all of my life, because of my parents' faith and because of what they, you know, yeah. passed down to me, I was always kind. I always believed in that whole idea of the umbrella of protection that God mm-hmm. gives you. Mm-hmm. If you just mm-hmm. stay under the umbrella of His protection and grace, you know, it's more valid and important than anything else that you could get for yourself. And I really believed in it. This is actually the only reason why I, you know, did not go into like hardcore drugs or. Even things like this is why I did not, you know, live with my boyfriend or sleep with him before I got married, because I really do believe that God has the best for me. And I want to stay under that protection, the umbrella of his protection. And I believe that he is for me and not against me. And I think that comes from my tradition of having a family who really never contradicted that in the way they parented me. I think it's much harder to believe if you're if you're being told that God wants the best for you. God wants to protect you. He's telling you not to, you know, pass these boundaries or push these boundaries because he really wants the best for you. And then your mm-hmm. parents model that, but in a completely contradictory way. Exactly. And I think you kind of are like, 
you know what? Screw all of that. Like it doesn't make yeah. any sense. But I think yeah. for me, I was very thank I'm th thankful to my parents because in their own ways, yes, they made mistakes, but overall, I never doubted that they had the best intentions for me and yeah. that they, yeah. all of the things that they set for me, the boundaries, the whatever, I knew that they had good reason for that. And Absolutely. I think that has been a blessing in my life. Again, not very fun or exciting. Um, I wish I could say like I sold drugs and went to jail and that's where, you know, I, I met <laughs> the Lord. Yeah, you can tell what? that I've, cre I've created some um, versions Sua. of the story in my head. Well, let's just be honest, Sua, you're not a badass, all right? <laughs> I know, I really, you I never so badly will be a want to be a badass. You're not I'm a badass, not. all right? You're I'm many things, not. but one thing you are not is a badass. So, oh, and, and that's cool, a good thing. remember? Cool, yeah. I'm not cool. Yeah, the cool is yeah. really, yeah, yeah. But you're a lot of other things, but cool, sure. yeah. Well, badass and cool is kind of like together. It goes are you together. serious? Yeah. It kind of does. Okay, fine. Yeah. You know what? Let's but, hear your badass well, cool okay. story. <laughs> <laughs> so all I would say is, um, I, I'll just say this. You need to call your parents and just thank them. I really do. I think like if anyone has that kind of story that Sua has, and you grew up in a home where you saw Christian faith modeled, it's not perfect, but you saw it modeled and, uh, and lived out by parents, um, and you grew up in that home, and you felt like you, know, you don't have that Hollywood type of conversion story, man, that, you should call your parents up and just say thank you. Thank you for allowing me to grow up in a home like that where I actually saw faith, where even when I was in college, because most kids, when they go to college, they're done with church, they're done with their faith, mm -hmm. uh, that you actually only had a six-month purgatory trial period and seeing <laughs> what was going on. Let's see what goes on or whatever. And, you, and, and listen, you, tr you tasted the world a bit. And I think from what I heard is this, you're saying it's not worth it. It's just the not. Vomit is gross. Well, vomit is gross. It's just like this is not fun. Like this is not like yeah. people who need to get drunk. People who need to go to parties and go to clubs, they're doing it because they're trying to escape from their real world, from their real mm -hmm. life. It's mm -hmm. miserable. They hate their life. And so that's why they got to go out and get drunk and party. You know, now I'm not saying that's always the case, but I'm saying a lot of my friends who needed that was because they hated their life. They were so miserable with their life that they needed an escape. You didn't need that. You know, you had God in your life. You grew up, yes sheltered home a little bit but you grew up and you realize wait a minute my life with god is so much better than my life of trying to live without him and you know so i don't ever want to get to a point where i sit on a toilet seat with a whole lot of vomit on it i mean that that that's as low as it I goes i need to be able that to a, i that was a holy I can, moment Sula. I can that was drink, a holy moment for you. but i just need to stop to the point where I can maintain a squat for 10 exactly. seconds while I pee into the toilet exactly. because I will not sit on that vomit covered exactly. toilet seat. That was a holy yeah. moment for mm -hmm. you. So, mm -hmm. so, so listeners, if, if you have, if you grew up in a home like that, make sure you give a call to your parents and really thank them because I know even pastors, kids have really fallen away from their faith because they grew up in a home where their parents didn't exemplify that faith. Mm -hmm. And as a result, they just, you know, once they went to college, they just never came back. And, um, and part of that is because they didn't have a real healthy, authentic Christian upbringing. It was a very hypocritical type of upbringing. And that's why they, 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 when, once they have some level of independence, they run away. I do want to also say for the parents listening, um, you know, not to hijack the story into something else, but um, a lot of times I think we can also then look at children who act out and sometimes say, well, what's going on with the parents there? Why are these yeah. kids acting like this? I yeah. also want to say that's not always the case because um, my brother <laughs> did not have the same story <laughs> as I did. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that. But basically, okay. let's just say yeah, I'm you not, shared a little bit about yeah, your I brother. Mean, yep. you know, those of you guys who know my story yep. or my family situation, 
I know they say no two kids have the same parent because parents react differently to yeah. different parts of their kids and based on gender and you know birth order and all of these things, like no two kids have the same parents. But yeah. overall, we had the same parents, right? Same yeah. parents who had similar rules and similar boundaries. And my brother and I have had completely different trajectories when it comes to our spiritual journeys. Yeah. Um, and so I just want to also say that, yeah, um, it's true, but also... I hate when parents like I've heard a lot of this in like Korean specifically Korean generations where they'll say like oh the kid is acting that way because probably the parents did not instill the right things like it's a lot of the reflection is on the parents right like when kids act a certain way like mm -hmm. I, I remember I kind of said something to my mother <laughs> my mother-in-law a few months ago or maybe a year ago because somebody that we knew who was around my age um, in their church had gotten busted for basically being like a drug trafficker. Like they found like $500,000 of cash in his apartment. Wow. A bunch of drugs that he was selling. Like he was basically, I don't know, I don't know. But it was, he was high up there in some kind of drug hmm. ring. And I remember she said something like, oh, I think kids like that, you know, you, I thought like their parents were good, but who knows what's going on with the family that the kids are acting this way. And you know what? I don't think she meant it in a way that was you know, mean spirited. Yeah. I think it's just one of those things that parents just say, right? Like, yeah. oh, you know, um, what's going on with the family that the kids are acting this way. But I also just want to say is sometimes like, it's not always a literal um, correlation or causation where parents act. It's always a parent's fault that a kid turns out a certain way. Um, so I just want to say, you know, if you see, just because I shared my story, it doesn't mean that if somebody does then go to college and have a longer than six months purgatory or like they're acting out, it doesn't always mean the parents were bad. It just yeah. means that, you know, it's our own personal journeys, you know, to finding but, God. But what I think is really important, what you said before was, um, when your mom saw that you came home that day and you went to church and you were reeking of alcohol, she gave you your space. And I think as a parent, and you know, this is not a parenting podcast, but I think that's really important for us to keep that in mind. As your kid gets older, uh, the, the desire to want to control your child uh, or your, your adult child or your teenage child, uh, it continues to grow because there is this inherent fear of what happens, you might get hurt or what will other people think mm -hmm, mm -hmm. about me? as your parent right. when you go and live your life like this. And I just think as a parent, you have to just give them their space and just know that I'm always here for you if you need anything. Um, I love you, I care for you, but this is your life and I will let you do your thing. But I, I hope you will not do it, but I'll always be here um, if you ever need me. I think that could be some of the best, best thing that we can do so that you went out, you experienced your thing. It only lasted six months. I'm sure your mother was on her knees and praying, oh God, please, please, please oh, don't let Oh, she absolutely was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And, oh, yeah. and yeah. God gave you that aha moment in the bathroom with that with your friend. But I think like as parents, we have to be willing to let our kids go and let mm -hmm. them experience. And they gotta fall, they gotta make the mistakes. And hopefully because they grew up in your home that they'll come back and have good, they have good roots and, and good foundations. So, I think yeah. it goes even hand in hand with the topic today because I think a lot of times the problem that can happen with people like me who have stories of um, coming to God or coming to Jesus like that are this kind of quiet and steady progression. The danger is that a lot of times it doesn't necessarily transfer to your own faith. You still keep relying on your parents' faith or you're yeah. only doing things because your parents told you to or because that was the culture of your family. Yeah. And yeah. I think a lot of times they, that transfer can't happen if you don't give your children the space to figure it out for themselves. Sometimes I have had people literally, I've met people who in their 40s and 50s who 
just are realizing that maybe they don't actually believe in God at all, mm -hmm. but they thought they did this whole time because they were just going through the motions of whatever their parents yep, told them they need yep, to. Yep. Um, and then they're like, oh my gosh, I'm 50 years old and I actually don't know if I believe in That's right. Jesus being Lord of my life. Like, I just don't know if I believe it. And it's taken them 50 years to figure that out because I think a lot of times our parents have such control over us yeah. and our, our backgrounds have such control over us that we were never given the space to really explore these things. And I right, think it's right. healthy, right? It's healthy right. to explore these things. Well, sociologists call that basically you've just inherited your faith from your parents, but it's never become your faith. Mm -hmm. And so those are second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth generation Christians. It's actually, uh, it's an incredible challenge to be those kinds of Christians because while it's great to inherit your faith, like you and I, like you did, and you know, I mean, I, I didn't grow up in the church like that right away, but my parents went to church. But like, if, if you're the second generation Christian in your family or third generation Christian, you have to get to that place where you've inherited your faith, but you now have to get to the place where you can take ownership of your faith. And that's a huge difference, you know, and, you, and I heard you say, Sue, that when you went to college, you finally took steps to take ownership of mm -hmm. your faith. That exploration of that six months, I think, was important. It was that important step for you to finally say, all right, this is my faith now. Mom, thank you. But now this is mine. That's why, like, when we first started Metro, our slogan was, this ain't your mama's church. I remember And it, we did that not to just say that we don't want old people to come to this church. No, of course old people can come mm -hmm. to the church. Your mom is welcome to the church. But we <laughs> wanted people to know that we have to get past this inherited faith state. Mm. And we got to start taking ownership where we can say, mom, thank you. I've, you've done a good job, but now it's my faith, and I'm going to go, and I'm and I'm taking ownership of it. And and when we can do that, then it really is our faith. But I think for a lot of people, like you said, you could be 50 years old, and you've never taken that step from inherited faith to own faith. And what happens then is you hit a crisis, and uh, and a lot of people walk away, especially if there's a hardship that goes on in life. They're just like I don't I don't think I believe in God. Those are people who oftentimes I think have inherited their faith, but they haven't taken really an opportunity where they've taken ownership of it. Because those who've taken ownership of their faith, when they go through hardships, they just depend and really rely upon God. They don't blame God for these situations. Mm -hmm. They just depend upon Him to help them. That's to That's what I was going to ask you as a pastor, because you've seen all sorts of faith journeys, right? Yeah. So I was going to. And I guess this kind of answers, but if you want to answer it a little bit more for, because sometimes I think those of us who go, who have this type of faith journey, we do say, um, we might have moments where we're like, is this real? Like, is this really my faith or is this yeah. my parents' faith? And what do you think is the real way that you can decipher whether you have taken that next step or transitioned your parents' faith into our own? You know, like, is there something that you could say, an identifying thing or series yeah. of things where you're like, you know what? I think this is how you know that now yeah. your faith is yours. Uh, all right. So I have a really weird kind of a story. I think that will sum it up in a way, okay. but it's not like, I don't, I don't think it, if it doesn't resonate with you, I apologize. Years <laughs> ago, uh, we had uh, like a, like a little gathering of people from our church and it's just any question you have about spirituality or anything like that, Peter is going to be here. Come ask me anything. Ask it. Ask yeah. me anything. You're doing and people an AMA. Ask, yeah, people ask anything. And uh, and one, one, one person, this guy, he was a young guy, just graduated college. He just said to me, he said, Peter, what happens if there are aliens? Like what happens if there are other life forms outside mm -hmm. of planet Earth? Wouldn't that ruin your faith in God? 
because God doesn't say any of that stuff. Like we were the ones he created in his image. And it was a really good question. And I just said, you know, even if it was like, let's say there are aliens, you know, let's say that's true. And, you know, they come into this world like you watch these Hollywood movies. I'm fine with that. And he's like, why? And I said, because I have a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Like I have a relationship with Christ. It's intimate enough where I am so secure in that and who he is Mm -hmm. that if aliens come, it's not going to affect my relationship with Jesus. Because I have a relationship with him. And I think, I think that's the big thing. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it might be a little abstract because Jesus is invisible. But when you have a relationship with the Lord and the Lord speaks to you, you know, Paul says in, in Colossians 3, I love it. He says, let, you know, let the living messes of Jesus like literally permeate mm-hmm. your entire mm-hmm. being, your fiber, you know, like everything in you. Yeah. And I think that's such an important aspect of it. And like, I think when God can be a part of your life in that way, and mm-hmm. I've lived a long life. And I have realized that if it wasn't for Jesus, Sue, I would not be a pastor. Um, I I would be something where awful. I would be that Hollywood dramatic story, but the other way, you know. Um, and <laughs> I'd be a bomb. You know, uh, Jenny would have divorced me by now. Um, I, you know, I just there is no way. I was so broken as a human being um, and as a person, and um, and forgot to kind of restore and heal me the way I am mm-hmm. today. Uh, I'm still a work in progress, but. To me, there is just no, like, it's not just this faith concept that's abstract. It's so real and tangible for me. So for me, like, I think just nurturing your relationship with the Lord is really important. And, you know, we've talked about this in previous podcasts. I think, you know, you know, of course, prayer, you know, having that sort of contemplative prayer, reading the Word of God, really critical. But also this idea of being vulnerable with one another really allows us to encounter the presence of God in a powerful way. And we've talked about soulmates and all mm-hmm. different things like that in previous podcasts. So you all can listen to that if you, if you want to take a listen. But uh, it is an important part, you know. And, um, and I do think that those are important questions. But I think if people get to a place in their lives where they wonder if their faith is real, they probably haven't taken ownership of their faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've inherited it, and that's not—that's a good thing. But now you have to take ownership of it, right. and and you got to really connect with God in that way. And you know, there's there's not one way to do it. But I think the biggest thing you could do, I would give it a shot. That's helped me over the years. Why don't you con- do a life confession? Why don't you sit with someone and do a life confession? You know, a Christian person and do a life confession. And just confess every dark stuff you've ever mm-hmm. done in your life. And encounter God's love in the process through that person that you confess your sins to. I think that could be a real good first step. But anyway, wow. you want to hear my that story? Would be powerful. I definitely want to yeah. hear your story. All right. L- I let hope me, it's let exciting. Me, I'm going to do it in five, five, ten minutes if I can. Uh, you can't do it in five to ten minutes. You know, I have talked to a lot of people who listen to our podcast, and they said that there's no reason why we need to make it super short. Okay. Okay. If they get bored, right. they'll just pause it and move on. Okay. All right, or, or put it on two times speed, right? Or uh, something like that. So we like, right, and- uh, <laughs> I already talked like that, so you can't do that with mine. <laughs> so for me, uh, people kind of know my background um, of kind of how I grew up. I grew up in a pretty broken home. You know, just parents grew up during the Korean War. Um, I mean, it's just, you grew up in a war, you know, now we know what's going on in the Ukraine. I mean, those kids have a story to tell. Mm-hmm. And those kids are gonna really struggle in life. And that's basically, my parents grew up in that kind of world. And uh, poverty was at a a real deep deep level, abuse, physical abuse, all that stuff. So I grew up in a physically abusive home. Uh, My parents did go to church. I don't know exactly when, but when we first immigrated, they never, we never went to church. My parents were just 
typical non-Christians. They go out and party with the friends and all that kind of stuff. Uh, mother was just trying to keep afloat. And, and when my parents weren't Christians, particularly my father, you know, it was just really hard. He was, he was incredibly abusive when he was drunk, um, you know, and things like that. So I think, you know, church, I think back in those days in the 80s, uh, the reason why it really succeeded, the Korean immigrant church, church is because they actually helped families that came from Korea. Right. Like, to get an apartment. So it was like a social network. It was almost. a social, it was yeah. like, yeah, like we yeah. would bring letters to the pastor and say, hey, what, what does this mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, can you help us? And the pastor would help. And many Korean people went to church because it was really like a social, like outreach, you know, kind of a thing. Like, a how do you assimilate? Yeah. yeah, it was really survival. So that's kind of like how my parents first started going to church. And then slowly, I think, you know, it, uh, their faith became more serious and then they became Christians and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then for me, you know, growing up in that kind of home and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, for me, like when I, when I, when I was in high school, I wasn't a Christian at all. You know, when we, we still went to church. Like my parents moved from Queens, Elmer's Queens, to Palaces Park, New Jersey when I was in third grade. We still went to church every Sunday in Elmer's Queens. Oh, wow. Every Sunday. And I didn't want to go, but we did, um, you know, and stuff. And so I grew up in a home where my parents were being like devout Christians. But yet when they got home, they yell at each other. My father stopped drinking, thank goodness. And, you know, he, did, he wasn't abusive anymore. But they were very abusive with their words and all that kind of stuff. I always saw them very like <laughs> when they got to church, it's like it was like showtime for them. You know, like they had to act like, right. okay, we're, like, we're out of the car. The They're like, cursing at each other difference. in the car, all that stuff. And then once they put it in a park and they get out of the parking lot, it's showtime. They go into church wow. and like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's all great. It's all great kind of thing. And so like, that's kind of like what I saw. And I'm just thinking, this is not real. Wow. It's not really real. Yeah. And so that was kind of where that was at. But there was this uh, children's pastor when I was a little kid. I went to the church. I liked him so much. Um, he was like my favorite. He was funny. He was good, but he just seemed really caring mm -hmm. and like a really good guy. And so for me as a young kid, I really liked him a lot. And so um, after I graduated from children's ministry, um, I, um, I was supposed to go to youth ministry, but uh, that's when I stopped going to church. Uh, because some of those. Teacher? No, no. Some of those, some of those kids. I mean, the older ones, because I was young. I don't. I forget what. I forget what grade I was in. I think. I think they put you in youth when you were like in sixth grade, mm -hmm. or fifth grade, or something like that. And uh, they were mean. They were really mean. And so, like, I already got bullied at school, you know, and stuff. And I was like, the last thing I want to do is come to church and get bullied. So I stopped going. I told my mom and dad, I was like, I'm not going anymore. And so I stopped going to church. What did they say? They let you not go to church? Oh yeah, they said okay, whatever. You know, like it's okay. You know, like you I just, think I'm that's not going. Kind of atypical. No, it's just, I, well, I would say this because my parents weren't like deeply faithful people. Okay. You know, like I don't, you know, even though my father was an elder, he wasn't like <laughs> deeply walking in the hey, faith. That, that's like a contradiction in and of itself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that should give you a glimpse no, of how Korean churches listen, are made. Well, it's listen, like, there are a lot elder, of, but he wasn't super. There's into. a lot of elders in the Korean church that are not Christians. They're not disciples. <laughs> he was they just don't really love good Jesus. at administrative yeah. tasks. Well, I don't, I don't even know about that. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but yeah, but he was old, he was old, he was old. So I, uh, you know, like in the Korean church, if you oh have age, God. you can become an elder kind of a thing And some, not all, you know what? I don't, I don't want to bad mouth the Korean church. So I shouldn't say that because there are some really great Korean churches, but anyway, um, so I stopped going for a very long time, Sua, and I just kind of lived my life with my friends and, you know, just did our thing. And then what happened was, is that when I was in seventh grade, um, that children's pastor, that children's pastor, um, I guess graduated from seminary, all that stuff. And now he became his, he became a pastor of a church okay. in 
Edison, New Jersey. That's kind Get of far this. from Palisades. Park. It's far, but here's yeah. the thing. He picked me, so he called my mom and said, hey, is Peter going to church? And my mom was like, no, he doesn't go to church. And, he's, and, she, and, and, uh, and, he, and he basically said, well, listen, I just became this pastor, blah, blah, blah. I will pick Peter up every Sunday, and I will take him to church, and I would bring him back home. Oh, my gosh. Like, would you be open to that? He and, called, you know, he, like, so he called your family specifically for you? Yeah. Yeah, to like for scout me. you because, for his church. Well, yeah, but I think part of it is that because he knew, I think he knew how much I liked him. Mm-hmm. And my mother was so happy. I think, you know, my mother did have faith and, and, and she started growing and she wanted me to go back to church, but I'd never wanted to go back to church. And while I was in South Africa, she said, hey, Pastor Jay uh, just called and he wants you to come to his church. Are you open to it? And when she said it was him, I was like, yes, I'll go. And wow. so I went and he had three kids. They were around my age. Daughter was the same age as me. And then older son, James, um, you know, he, he was a part uh, and we became like best friends. And at that point, like church was so safe for me. It was such a great place because I, I knew the pastor's kids. I knew the pastor well. It's a tiny little church in Edison. He, he we went to a church in in, uh, in New York first before was it we went English? to Edison. It was an English ministry. No, it church? was a Korean church. So like you know, in the beginning, the church was so small. Uh, we had to you know we you know they didn't even have a youth pastor, so we just stayed in the service, and it was just all Korean. But but he did speak fluent English, so he did you okay. know when he preached, he did okay. preach. You know, in English first and then okay. in Korean. Got it. So we're great for that. And then because we didn't have a youth pastor at the time, he just would let us, he would dismiss us. And then we would just hang out mm. in a room just by ourselves and we play games and stuff like that. Quote unquote fellowship. Fellowship. Yeah. So that was, that was it. So I just, I loved going. So I went from seventh grade all the way up to 10th grade. I was going to church every Sunday. I loved church. And then he got transferred to a church in Demarest, New Jersey. And that was great. It was close by and stuff. Uh, eventually, my parents started going to the church with him and all that stuff as well. And uh, but I just loved going to church because it was like a safe place for me. It was really good, um, you know, and everything. So I just loved it. Kids didn't make fun of you when you went to church, you know, because everyone's <laughs> Korean. It's like the perfect place. But it wasn't until my sophomore year, um, I uh, I went to this revival meeting called Hosanna 1989. I still I don't remember. I like you remember it. the years of your conferences. Yeah, well, this is well, this is the. Uh, these are critical moments in my life. So, you know, okay. you know how bad of a memory I have, but I remember important dates. And I decided to go to this thing because by the time I was a sophomore, I mean, listen, Sue, I was a hopeless romantic. I wanted to date You're so bad. You're still a hopeless romantic. I am. I am still a hopeless romantic, but at least I have Jenny now, right? That's true. But back then, I was like, you know, like, I wanted a girlfriend so bad. You know, I was like, I wanted a girlfriend. And I thought it's great to meet girls at these oh revival gosh. meetings. Like this, we can try your best. And and you know, I would go to all. I would go to all these revival meetings, um, not because I wanted to worship God. You wanted to find a girl. I, exactly. I wanted to find a girl. So any revival <laughs> meeting, I'm there. No matter what, I'll be there. Oh my gosh. And you know, you try to wear your best clothes. You try to, any retreat. I'll I mean, go. It why? was a thing. Yeah, because I, don't think I you want, were alone in that. I think right, it was a I, thing. And I wanted to find, uh, you know, a good Korean Christian girl. Like, I, I just wanted to find We're somebody. We're better to find them than a revival. That's you know right. What I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. So I went to all those, all the retreats, all that stuff. I tried, never worked out. Like, I really tried, um, you know, and stuff and uh, never worked out. But while, when I was a sophomore, it was December 29th, 1989. So it was towards the end of the year. It was this big, big revival. And, um, and you could say by then, sophomore year, I mean, you know, your body is changing. I had terrible friends that, you know, that, I mean, it's, I mean, Sue, I'm, I'm, we're keeping it real, right? 
I had terrible friends. What are you fr- going to say? I'm going to say something that, that's going to shock the audience. I had terrible friends that weren't followers of God, but they were like, they taught me like how to masturbate. Like uh, I, At I had the no conference. Idea. No, no, no. These were not church people. These were my school friends. Oh, oh, oh. And and like I remember they said to me like, "Hey, um, like you masturbate, right?" I'm like, "What? what what's that?" That is not where like, I thought this topic what? was going. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> like you like sophomore <laughs> year, you need to understand like this is like you know I'm like I have like some church friends that are cool, but then I have like some school friends that are really bad, all that stuff. Anyway, I just wanted to like find a girlfriend a date and all that kind of stuff, but I wanted to be like a Christian thing. So I went to this revival meeting and man, I got decked out. I got decked out. Like I looked good. You know, I think I looked good. I didn't look like a JYP back then. I was so skinny, <laughs> but I looked good. All right. So anyway, um, I went to this thing in hopes and it was packed. I mean, it was like, like three to four. Where 500. was this conference? It was in Englewood. New Jersey. Oh, wow. It was an angle in the, right on uh, Grand Avenue. Um, oh, my goodness. You know, it's, it's an Episcopal church right now. I know the pastor there. We're actually good friends, you know, and stuff. But it was in that church. It was huge. It was a huge facility. And the, um, the worship leader comes up, and he's a pastor in New Jersey now, and I've met him a bunch of times. And he was a Rutgers K- Korean Christian Fellowship worship leader and president. And, and they were good, but he just shared his testimony. He said, hey, listen, you know, um, I really struggle with porn. I struggle with a lot of this stuff. And then oh, he wow. talked about like how God like forgave him and his grace and this and that. And I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty remarkable. And that already started to like impact my heart. Sure. And then the pastor, this guest p- preacher, I don't even know his name. I have no idea what he preached about. He just started his sermon by saying this. He said, my son is in the hospital right now. And he is not doing well. He's in critical condition. Now, he shouldn't have been there to preach, right? But he said, I have faith that God is going to heal my son. And for some reason, Sua, that resonated with me so much because, you know, I grew up as a sick child. Um, Mm -hmm. We came to the States because I was sick. And in Korea, you know, the doctors, the Korea in the 70s was the poorest nation in the world. People may not know that, but it is. If you Google it or ask Siri, they'll say it is. In the early 70s, um, Korea was the poorest nation in the world. My parents had lost a son many years ago because of malnutrition. It just wasn't healthy. And the medicine was not advanced, okay? I did not know your parents had. Yeah. You had a sibling? I, I had a sibling, my oldest brother, but he died at three months. Okay. Oh, wow. So, so I don't know who he, who he was. Sure. So the doctor looked at me and I was born like not healthy. And he said to my parents, if you want this kid to survive, you got to move to America. It's going to be hard for him to survive in Korea. So when I was growing up, anytime I got sick, Sua, anytime I was like feeling under the weather, my mother had PTSD from sure, losing her first son. Of course she did. And so when I was growing up in Queens, in the Bronx, where I lived, my mother had, because my mother didn't drive, the one prerequisite in order for us to get an apartment is that it had to be walking distance to a hospital. Mm. Because I had a lot of seizures when I was growing up, and I don't know why, but I had a lot of seizures and stuff like that. So I had to be rushed to the hospital in the middle of the night a lot of times. And so, um, so that was like her prerequisite. So my mother, like whenever I would get sick, even now, like I'm 48 years old, I'm super healthy. She, when I get sick, she, like I could see her getting nervous and she gets worried, like overly worried than any other parent, in my opinion. Um, so when this pastor got up there and he said, my son's in the hospital in critical condition, wow. but I believe that God's yeah, going to heal my son. Yeah. I said, there is, 
I was like, I need to know that God because I never have ever experienced that kind of God in my house. Because when I'm sick, my mother, it's like she's freaking out. And sure. I'm just like, Mom, I just coughed. It's, it's no big deal. Yeah. No, no, you got to take care of yourself. Something might happen. And, and I just knew God was real at that point. Like this guy, the worship leader was talking about his lust issues. And then this guy is talking about his son's, his son's in critical condition. But he knows God's going to take care of him. At the end, he gave an altar call, whatever. I, I raised my hand. My youth pastor was with me, and he said, Peter, let's pray the sinner's prayer, and I did. And I prayed the sinner's prayer, and I gotta tell you, man, it was like that Hollywood conversion. Like, I just felt like the presence of God, like, over my life. And I was like, I'm gonna do everything for Jesus now. Like, every, I was this radical Christian, these ultra-legalists, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, I went to malls. Sue, I went to malls to share oh, the gospel. I just banged my head on I the know. microphone. Sue, I went to malls and I shared the gospel. Like, that's how hardcore I was. That is pretty I was wild. on fire. I was on wow. fire. And I just gave my life to the Lord. And it was like, I stopped hanging out with my friends at school. You know, and they're like, what's wrong with you? Like, how come you're not calling us back? And like, what, what happened? And I'm just like, oh, no, it's okay. Like, I just like completely changed my life. And I should have done a little better, you know, thinking about it. But then the great thing was that we moved to Richfield, New Jersey. And that was great from Palaces Park because all my quote-unquote non-Christian friends or heathen friends were in Powell Park. So when we moved to <laughs> Richfield, New Jersey, it was so great because some people from my church, I brought them to church, Korean guys, and they were a part of mm. Richfield High School. So my friends in, in, in high school were Christians. And so we were able to kind of grow there. So that was my conversion story. And, you know, I've learned a lot since then and all that stuff. But sophomore year was when I just gave my life to the Lord in a wow. huge way. That was it. That was my conversion story. Are you just chopping your mic right now, figuratively speaking? It's like no, 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 no. You're, you're like, you look, I'm looking at you. You're like, man, I'm so confused. No, 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 <laughs> because I'm, I'm trying to think that, so that, I mean, it's because like, it's like a cliffhanger. I mean, obviously it's not a cliffhanger because I kind of know what happens a little bit. Like yeah. there's a, a lot of question marks between sophomore year, because at some point you also were called into ministry. Yes. All right. So okay. So let me let me just share this really I'm quickly. I'm so confused. So 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 <laughs> so my my uh, summer uh, summer year of nine of ninety two before I went to college. Okay. I attended a uh, a, a retreat. Vision. Vision. I remember. Right? Vision ninety two. I, I I used to I threw away the t shirt. I used to, I still had a t shirt. Vision ninety two. And at Vision ninety two, God called me to be a pastor. I accepted the calling. What does it that was mean, though? What is what do you mean when you say God called you to be a pastor? Yeah. So so I was in my I was in my room praying, and I was just mm -hmm. praying to the Lord, and it was just it was the, the it was such a great retreat. It really was. It was powerful. Like I was experiencing God, and I just sensed in my prayer time as I was praying, and I was you know just kind of praying to Him. I I felt like God saying, you know, Peter, I want you to be a pastor. Will you accept? And I said, I will, I will. And I remember sharing with all of my friends in my youth group, mm -hmm. like, I'm going to be a pastor. Like, I just accepted a call to go into ministry. And that was like, it was so great. Was it, a, was a lot of that decision influenced because I was so on like the spiritual high? Absolutely. But nonetheless, I really sensed God was saying, you know, I want you to be a pastor. Will you accept it? And I said, yes. But then when I went to college, you know, you know how you're riding spiritually high and then you just yeah. fall. And I did. I fell a lot, you know. And, and when I went to college, I just, I was so in tune with my, my brokenness and, uh, and how messed up I was. And then, you know, um, I was a part of a kind of a messed up Christian community group. 
yes. um, you know, and stuff um, that hopefully we'll we'll be able to share in, in in podcasts in the future, or maybe we've shared it already, depending on when it came out. <laughs> We're a hot mess over here. <laughs> We're a hot mess over here. But uh, but yeah, but I just I just I you know I just convinced myself. No, I'm. Not, I don't think I'm called. I think I heard God wrong. It's not that I didn't want. I actually wanted to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. But I said, you know what? I don't think I can because number one, I'm living this lie. You know, like I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm secretly dating, you know, Jenny, uh, because my campus pastor didn't want me to date her, you know, and stuff like that. Um, I struggle with a lot of different types of sin, anger, jealousy, all that stuff. And then the other thing I just thought, man, pastors are like really studious and smart. Man, that's like the complete opposite of me. Like I don't, you know, like at the time I was like, I'm, that's not me. So I just really convinced myself, like I am not called to be a pastor. And so I just said, I'm going to serve the church. I'm going to work and I'm going to like give all of myself to the church. And that was, mm-hmm. that was the game plan. It really was. And so when I graduated from college, that was the game plan. I, I, I served at a church and I served like I was, man, I, I was a pastor's dream. Like I, the way I served the church, I mean, it was just crazy. I just, there was nothing I said no to and everything I did just brought me life. I loved it. I mean, I was a worship leader, small, I led this, I wasn't just a small group leader. I led the small group ministry in the church. I went out to, um, you know, every morning prayer meetings. I went out to those five o'clock prayer meetings. And then I also was a youth group teacher. Like you talk Dang, about. You're like Christian on steroids. I loved every minute of it. I mean, Every, I just, it just brought me life. And it was through all of that. And then, you know, my church was a great church about, taught a lot about grace and stuff like that. And I realized it doesn't matter like what you've done and, and how broken you are. If you let God forgive you, his grace will give you the strength to kind of move forward and, and put on this new self and all that kind of stuff. So, and then I, that's when God called me into the ministry, recalled me into the ministry and said, Hey, you want to pivot now that you've been working for four years? Um, you want to reaccept that calling that I gave to you when you were um, at that vision retreat. And I said, this okay. This is wild because yeah. so many of your pivotal moments hearing from God happened at these like large Revivals and retreats. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Those are like my peak moments of just growth and learning. Hosanna um, that, 89, vision 92. Yep, yep. Wow. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. Maybe and back to Englewood and do one. <laughs> I would love to do, I I love revival meetings. Those are like the best things for me at least. But yeah, but for me, that was like how it all happened. And, um, and, uh, and, and the, uh, the, 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 when God called me into ministry in, at the church, it was at another conference, Sua, and it was called Desire 1997. These names are amazing. Desire uh, what is it? No, no, yeah, Desire 1997. That's exactly where it was. So 89, 92, 97. 97. Pivotal revival I re-accepted my calling into ministry, and that's the rest is history after that. Wait, you were, sorry, now I'm like, hold on. So you were at Desire during, while you were working at NBC? Yes, yes. So you went to a revival while you were a working professional? Because I always oh, associate oh, no, no. these revivals with like... No, it was only at, it was oh, at nighttime. Oh, 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 so we were able to oh, go after, okay. after, after work. We went and we went to the well, revival. I, this is totally, yeah. you know, but I feel like I don't hear about these kinds of revivals anymore. Because when I was growing up, there were a lot of them too. A lot. I, I mean, if there weren't those, they were interspersed with like praise nights and worship yeah. nights, you know. But I don't really know if like we really have these. Do they have them? I'm just out of touch because I'm not. In uh, the some churches do have them. Um, I, I, you know, I think the secret sensitive movement really killed it, but I think we need to bring it back because those were some of my most formative, pivotal moments in yeah, my because, spiritual life. I mean, and without it, God I don't think I'd have, be in ministry today. Well, I was going to say, not that God wouldn't have spoken to you some other way, but I mean, it's hard to imagine because, like, literally 
three of these very pivotal things, huge, like life's changing, yeah. transformative things happen to you during conferences. This yeah. is wild. I was a revival junkie. I mean, I, I went to everyone I could possibly go to, uh, especially if I knew like there would be a good speaker. The worship team was great. Like I just loved going to revival meetings. They were like my favorite wow. things to go to. Yeah. It's it was amazing. really great. I love it. But I anyway, that's our story. And so I hope you guys story. got a little glimpse to our testimony. We are so grateful that you listened to us. And uh, if you have any questions about our testimony or if you would like to share yours, we'd love to hear it or yes. read it. I think that'd be pretty cool. I would yeah, love to read your testimonies because yeah, our mind's so boring. I need to live off of the high of other people's. <laughs> <laughs> So listen, uh, hey, listen, if you don't want us to share your email or what uh, a question that you sent us about, because I think for us, we want to respect you guys as much as we can. Uh, but some of you have sent us emails and asked questions. We actually wanted to, we like to respond to that on the podcast as well, just to let people know that people are asking. But if you want us to like sort of, you know, keep your name out of it so that you can maintain some level of anonymity, just let us know that on the email and then we won't mention your name or things like that. But we really did want to make this an interactive process mm -hmm. and we'd love to hear your story. We'd love to hear how God uh, led you to him and how you're living your life right now for Jesus. So go to weekpastor.org and we hope we can hear your story. So thank you so much for listening to us. Thank you. Hope you have a great day. Bye.